the joy of knowing Jesus. In our journey through this letter, this book of Philippians that Paul wrote to the churches at Philippi, we have covered a lot of ground. We have talked about being partners in joy and how, yes, Jesus is the source of our joy, but we need one another. We need to be able to come together as God's people and encourage one another in this joy journey. We also discussed keeping our joy through trials and that our joy in the Lord is not based on the circumstances or the situations or the events that come in our lives. We also talked about having the mindset of joy, which is the mindset of Jesus, as he demonstrated in coming to pave, pave the way for our salvation and having the mindset of humility, and that promotes joy. And then last time we were together, we talked about this joy that we can have truly does come by basically obeying what Jesus told us to do. That there is joy in obedience. We've come to a passage that is very well known by so many Christians. And yet, it talks about a deeper walk with the Lord. That we can experience along the journey. This passage says that the Christian life is not about getting things. It's not about having God prevent anything bad from coming our way. It's not about removing all sorrow and suffering from our days. And it's not about always being delivered from every challenging moment. Now, there is nothing wrong with praying for all of those things. Please feel free to pray about God being a provider in your life, about preventing evil from coming our way, and about sorrow and suffering not coming into your days, and for deliverance. We believe in that. But the deeper desire of our life is not just to come into God's presence and present him with a wish list or a list of things that he has to do. When we come into God's presence, when we walk with him each and every day, our desire, our deep desire, especially as we mature in the Lord, is to know him. Is to know him. And yet if we're not careful, our effort to know him in deeper ways can either be shallow or extremely self-centered. We want to know Jesus, because in knowing him, there's joy. Philippians chapter 3, I'll begin reading in verse number 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord, for to me, for me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evildoers, beware of the mutilation, for we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit. Rejoice in Jesus Christ and have no confidence in the flesh, though I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning righteousness which is of the law, blameless. 
But what things were gained to me, these things I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. The joy of knowing Jesus. Paul begins this section of the letter by reminding the church to rejoice in the Lord. You ever notice that you don't have to remind somebody who is happy to be happy? You don't have to remind somebody of the blessings they have if they're making it clear they're rejoicing in the blessings that they have. No one has to remind you of the reasons you have to rejoice when you are rejoicing. So if someone comes to you and says, rejoice in the Lord, it usually is at a time in our lives when that becomes a challenge. And we need to remind each other that when we're going through difficult times and it seems like it's difficult to bring up that spirit of rejoicing, that we can still rejoice in the Lord. We can't be reminded of this enough in this crazy, ungodly, ever-changing, highly intolerant world that we live in and face every day. We need to be a people who rejoice in the Lord. For you see, Jesus never changes. Culture changes, styles change, what offends the masses change, what's acceptable to the masses change. One day there's a study that comes out that says coffee is bad for you. Then there's a study that comes out and says coffee is good for your health. One study comes out and says chocolate is bad for you. Then it says it has health, uh, good healing properties for you. It's hard to know where to land. I know where to land. Rejoice in the Lord. Jesus still saves. Jesus still heals. Jesus still forgives. Jesus still protects. And Jesus still loves his people. And Jesus is still Lord. Paul then tells them to be watchful. For those who will teach false things. And the specific false thing he is focusing on is having confidence in the flesh. Now in this particular situation, back in this particular time, he was speaking of a very specific group of people known as the Judaizers. They were a group of Jewish people who had accepted Jesus as the Messiah and became Christians. Yet In their zeal to give respect to their heritage, their way of practicing their Christian faith was to keep the Old Testament laws and customs, which would have been fine, except it wasn't enough for them to keep it. They wanted everybody to keep it. Specifically, circumcision. And Paul calls them in verse 2, 
evil workers. He makes it clear that the true circumcision, the true people of God, are not those who have some specific spiritual, some, some specific physical trait or some specific physical heritage. Those who worship God in spirit are the true people of God. It's not about how you look. It's not about where you're from. It's not about how you were raised. It's not about what church you attend. John says in John chapter 4, verse 24, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You want to worship a certain way? Fine. Worship any way you'd like. You want to follow a certain format or what many churches will call a certain liturgy? Have at it. But have no confidence that the format that the form is what people have to adhere to it must come from the spirit our confidence is in God and we must worship him from deep within we relate to God based on his standards not our standards on the ones he has set up not the ones that we create from there Paul goes on talking about those who would have confidence in the flesh and thinks, well, if any of you think you have confidence because you're so high and mighty, let me make it clear. I could boast among above all of you. I was circumcised the eighth day. The stock of Israel, and what he's basically saying there is I and my family, we were not converts to Judaism. We were born and generationally in the, Israeli, in the faith of Israel. The tribe of Benjamin. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was among the elite. Concerning the law, he was a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, he, no one had more. When it came to any belief system that got in the way of what he believed, he went at it hard. Concerning the law, as far as he saw it, blameless. From a Jewish perspective, Saul of Tarsus had it going on. These were things that created position. They created status. They created influence. And for him, created identity. And then he met Jesus. And then he met the Lord. And says in verse 7, what things were gained to me, I have counted loss for the sake of Christ. All for the excellence, in verse 8, of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. In fact, not just a loss, he counts them as garbage, as rubbish. There are many things that we use today in this culture to identify or describe ourselves. Now, I want to be clear. I enjoy my Hispanic heritage especially when it comes to a good Spanish meal. But it is not who I am. I enjoy the country of my citizenship. I have traveled to eight other countries and have, with pride, when I got there, gave them my American passport and said, I am from the United States of America but it is not who I am. I enjoy my regional locality where I live. 
because I know the absolute truth that the only place you can get real, authentic, good pizza is in New York. Any place else, they can call it what they like, but it's not pizza. And for any of you who are watching from some other part of the world, I'm sorry. Yes. There's something that we do when we contaminate our water in New York that makes pizza, pizza. But although I can say without any effort that I'm a New Yorker, it is not who I am. I am a follower of Jesus. That is my highest identity. Against that truth, against that reality, everything else truly is lost to me. The prophet I seek in life is not to be more Hispanic, is not to be more of an American, is not to be more of a New Yorker. Excuse me, New Yorker. I want more of Jesus. No matter how long I follow him, no matter how long I serve him, I want more of Jesus. All of these things can get in the way. I want to be, as he says in verse 9, found in him, not having my own righteousness, which comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Jesus. Because as much as I enjoy my Hispanic heritage, I had absolutely nothing to do with it. But we make decisions to follow Jesus. I want that which comes from God through faith. And I want that which can be attained by anyone. My ultimate goal is verse 10. That I may know him. We're not talking just some casual knowledge. Not just some passing or surface understanding. Not just something that impacts me occasionally or seasonally. This knowledge takes me deep and transforms everything that I am. It touches every relationship that I have. There isn't any relationship that hasn't benefited from the fact that Jesus Christ is my Lord. Now, every Christian would say, that's what I want, to know him. Paul identifies two specific ways that we're to know him. One we like, one we don't. He says, in the power of his resurrection. Oh, come on, that'll preach. The power of his resurrection. To overcome any obstacle, to climb any mountain. Not only to climb every mountain, to take that mountain and throw it into the depths of the sea. The power of his resurrection. And, oh, Paul, why didn't you stop there? And the fellowship of his sufferings. You know, Paul just didn't know when to stop. All this being conformed to his death. All the form and format and structure that we have and put in place, if it doesn't reach that goal of knowing him, it's pointless. 
So many Christians want to know him more, want to deeply know the Lord in the power of his resurrection. We like that part. That part speaks of victory. That part speaks of deliverance. That part speaks of overcoming. And those are things that we should seek because we are victorious in Jesus. We are set free and delivered in Jesus. We are overcomers in Jesus. And we experience all of that now. I don't have to wait to have victory in Jesus. I have victory in Jesus now. I don't have to wait to be delivered in Jesus. He has delivered me now. The moment I embraced him as Lord and Savior, he became my victory. He became my deliverance, and I became an overcomer. Who wouldn't like that part? However, that coin has another side to it. We need to have the same passion, the same embracing desire not only to want to know him in the power of his resurrection but in the fellowship of his sufferings it usually gets quiet at that point you may have noticed maybe you haven't but we live in a world that's messed up Have you noticed? It's messed up. And it's not just that the world we live in is messed up. It's somewhat unique in our day because it's a world that has chosen to be messed up. And it's a world that, since it's chosen to be messed up, will continue to be messed up. But in the midst of all this mess, in the midst of all this confusion, in the midst of all this continual stepping further and further away from thus saith the Lord, we can know Jesus more. We can experience pain and sorrow and still know him more. Because right in the midst of our pain, right in the midst of our sorrow, Jesus is right there with us, walking with us each and every day. When others we care for experience pain and sorrow, Jesus is right there. He's not some distant friend. He is right there, closer than a brother. This is where we experience Jesus in that special place of prayer. Like his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, we come to him with our desires. We come to him saying, Lord, I don't really want to go through this. But in the end of the prayer, it's not about what I want. It's about what you want, Father. That's when we cry out to God. And where we accept his will, knowing that he is Lord of all. In the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his suffering. I submit that Christians can never know Jesus in the power of his resurrection until they're willing to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed, as verse 11 says, to his death. What's he talking about to his death? Well, Paul is talking about the same thing he said to the church at Galatia. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ 
It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This life that I live is not mine. It belongs to Jesus. He gets the final say. In fact, not only the final say, he gets the first say and every say in between. Now, how are we to pursue this knowing Jesus' relationship? Verse 11 tells us, if by any means, whatever I got to do, whatever changes I need to make, even if it means embracing discomfort, even if it means being nice to not so nice people, whatever I have to do, whatever I have to give up, whatever I have to realign, however I need to refocus, I want to know him and the excellence of knowing Jesus. So, Pastor, I've been following Jesus for over 30 years. You need to know him more. But I've been, I have followed him and stayed faithful through pain and loss. Good. You need to know him more. But I've defended his ways and preached his word and, and traveled all over this world and proclaiming that Jesus is Lord. You need to know him more. We all need to know Jesus more in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his sufferings. Whatever I need to do, knowing Jesus more is always worth it. This can be so easily looked at from just the power of his resurrection side. Because I have never met anyone personally who enjoys pain, who enjoys suffering, who enjoys bad times, who gets up in the morning and saying, I hope it's an awful day. I don't know anybody like that. <laughs> I'm hoping today is the most miserable day I've ever had. I think I don't know people like that because most of us have matured enough that we don't have to hope for those days. They happen anyway. So we hope for the good days. But we know that our faith is real, which means it is a faith that we can live in every day. As the song we sang during worship, every day, it's you that I live for. Which means on the good days, on the bad days, on the days when I'm riding on the clouds and when it seems that everything is dumping on me, on the days when it seems Everyone is being nice and encouraging and loving to me. And it seems on the other days when the entire world is against me. In all of those days, I need to know him and know him more. Because even on the good days, we can get into this false sense of security. Well, everything's great. So... I must be living right. God's blessing me because 
I'm so good. I'm so wonderful. After all, he's going to bless me because there's nothing wrong with me. I suggest then you turn in your Bible to the book of Job, chapter 1. A man who God said was blameless. And halfway through his book, in the midst of him making his charge against God, there's a verse that has always just stuck with me. Where Job says of God, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. It would have been a powerful statement to say, though he slay me, yet will I praise him. Or yet will I love him. Or yet will I follow him. But he says, yet will I trust him. I'm not going to trust the things around me. I'm not going to trust good days as opposed to bad days. I'm going to trust the maker of all things. And for us, his name is Jesus Christ. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, that if by any means I may attain unto the resurrection, the joy of knowing Jesus. You see, in knowing him, there's peace. In knowing him, there's comfort. In knowing him, worries vanish. And knowing him, difficult days are just what that. They're difficult days. But no matter what, I walk with Jesus. And in doing that, there's joy. Joy that is real. And it's a joy this world needs. Because it clearly doesn't have it. They're looking for happiness. We have joy. See, I can be happy tomorrow and then sad on Tuesday, miserable on Wednesday, on top of the world on Thursday, but through the week, I have joy. And it's not the happiness of the Lord or the pleasantness of the Lord or the blessedness of the Lord, but it is the joy of the Lord that is my strength. And anyone need strength today? I know I do. It's, it's in the joy of knowing him. Stand with me, please.